Welcome to Video Night with your hosts, Michael and Andrew. Hey there, Michael. Hey, what's going on? Uh, I'm moving. You're moving where? Texas. Ooh, where in Texas? Uh, south, south, south. It's called McAllen. Don't want to give too much away. Stalkers, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, um, don't want to like, hello, I love your show. Can I come in? I'm such a desirable guy. Uh, <laughs> so, um... I figured we're going to talk about some kind of road movie. So, like, like we're probably going to do a series of this, like probably four different shows, ending with the lead into Mad Max. Um, but this show is just a sort of a the oddball road movie. Yeah. Like it's okay, funny. we first started discussing this. We thought about doing one list, but there's so many, and we had Way to leave a lot of them. We had to leave a lot of them off the list. We may have to revisit this later. Yeah. Um, but, like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is something that we've all seen and we all know, so we're not talking right. about it. Um, there's other things that are notable, like uh, Sex Drive or the, the Sure Thing, Wind Chill, Tank even. Tank is, Tank be, is amazing. I love t- that movie. We are going to actually talk about Tank, but we're not going to talk about those other ones. Uh, maybe Wind Chill, but that'll be a winter show. There's one called Moving Violations with Steve McCaddy that I really like. Actually, I'm putting that uh, that's on the uh, thriller show. <clears throat> anyway, there's different different sort of road movies. And this is the odd nut one. So the first one I want to talk about is Dudes. Dudes. They're outsiders. You know, maybe this wouldn't have happened if you'd look like normal folks. In a place you won't find on any map. Just let the cops handle it. Come on, you saw them. If we don't do anything, nobody will. So, what brings you to Utah? Uh, hunting. Well, you boys are having quite a day. They were strangers. You're just a couple of stupid punks playing cowboy. In a land where legends are part of the landscape. Yeah, gotta love them. All right, so what do you think of Dudes? Okay, so the first time I saw Dudes, and this is one of those movies that I saw on the shelf a lot. The The cover is very, very interesting, but something about it just never pulled me in. And it was around the 90s when I started getting interested in punk. And Wait, um, explain what? the cover. What does the cover look like? Okay, so the cover has John Cryer dressed as a cowboy, Daniel Roebuck dressed as an Indian, and it just has them standing there and just like... You know, like a super large or whatever, and I don't know. It just something about the way they were dressed interested me, but the cover wasn't that exciting. And um, I don't even think I ever picked it up and ever read a description. It wasn't until the '90s when I started getting interested in punk that I had picked it up again. I saw it was the director of Wayne's World, so I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I want to pick this up." I watched it, and I was disappointed. For some reason, I thought it would be funnier or it would have more action in it. And it wasn't until just this week that I watched it again. And I realized, oh, I was just too immature for this movie. Right? Hey, it's not even that. It's a second watch. See, uh, I watched it last year for the first time. Well after my my interest in sort of alternative punky whatever anything. Uh-huh. Well after any kind of cultural thing like that. So I, I watched it with totally fresh, uninfluenced eyes, and I just well ex- influence. I like Daniel Robach a lot, so that's my influenced eyes. So, but I watched. The movie, and I was just like, eh. Right? Yeah, and I... But, 
on this list, I, it's on YouTube, uh, and it's a really cruddy copy, but that's like the only copy you can find. It's yeah, still not on DVD. What up with that? Lionsgate owns the know. rights to all of IVE, all of that catalog. And oh, yet, really? Yeah, they've Lionsgate only, has it all? Yeah, they've never released uh, two characters. They need to do it. Yeah, they Catherine need to do Mary it. Stewart's in two of their movies, uh, Night Flyers and Dudes, neither on DVD. I think the only thing they've ever released on DVD from that company was... Uh, Fright Night 2 and they released like maybe a thousand copies at best and that was it like 15 years ago wow yeah well I watched Dudes again and I love it yeah I really love it it really it's fits great. now uh, what I like it, about it now I like and it, this is like a year later watching it too it's just totally like the second it's like the first time you watch it it's like this weird seeding like it, it takes a year or however much longer it takes for you to get to the second viewing to gestate and bloom and blossom into what an awesome movie that it's is. a natural movie it takes something that's kind of beyond reality well not maybe beyond reality but something that's not normal everyday thing but makes it a normal everyday thing these guys react the way normal people would act and mm-hmm. the pacing is deliberate in the fact that it's supposed to be slowly drawn out you get to know the characters and how it's not one of these fast edited action revenge flicks. It is not an exploitation revenge movie for, by any means. It's ha- what well, if two real let's dudes talk about, that are out of their element that try to do yeah. this? Yeah, let's talk about the um, the plot real quick. Short. Uh, it's three dudes. They're all dudes. It's one guy's flea, two guys, uh, John Cryer, John Roebuck. They go Roebuck. to California, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Daniel Roebuck, sorry. Is it John? <laughs> uh, John is a catch-all name for every guy, obviously. Anyway, uh, they, are, they're they on the way to California, is that it? Right. Um, from New York. And uh, Cryer has this uh, concept of cowboy uh, that he's kind of following, and then he kind of has these visions or dreams of cowboy. But um, they run, run into some horrible kind of folks not quite bikers but they're pretty bad and uh leaving right leaving is the main villain yeah leaving is one of the dudes it's a punk movie um and flea something happens to flea and so uh two dudes uh crier and roebuck um want to get revenge or at least crier does and then that leads them to Catherine mary stewart who is in another strong lady role she Knew how to pick them in the eighties. No kidding. And now that not like, that they were all successful, but she didn't. She didn't pick any obvious stuff. The only thing that she picked that seemed like kind of out of her wheelhouse and a little too mainstream was Weekend at Bernie's. And that might be just because she knew that a lot of her movies had been bombing, so maybe she should just needed some money. Yeah, and that movie was successful, so it carried her for a little bit longer. But um, it, it was. It's disappointing that a lot. But of these even movies, then, but even then, she's not playing like. A generic no but the movie itself girly seems... girl type of like prissy little thing right that... did you ever see scenes from a gold mine she's like a rock singer and she tries to it's about her no. like trying to break through in the music scene it's really good same year she did uh all three night flyers dudes and that movie all in one year and they're all really good not a single one of them on dvd that's <laughs> terrible Dang. well i i totally recommend dudes but i recommend watching it sitting on it Watching it again later. Yeah, it's just I really wish there's a better print. It it looks awful. The YouTube version. So what we have also speaking of YouTube, we have uh, Video Night R R E is is uh, actually Video Night R R E at gmail.com. You can email us. 
but you can also look that up on YouTube, and we have playlists of stuff that coincide with the shows. Mostly trailers, but we find some movies that are out of print, hard to find, that and we that's, add to that's it. one of them. Yeah. Dudes is one of them. But the next movie actually has something to do with dudes, uh, but barely. But just something. What? Um, is one of your picks. It's, it's Midnight Run. What's the connection? I love to travel by train. Oh, yeah, what do you think this is, a class trip? A tough ex-cop. Are you always this angry? A sensitive criminal. Oh, no, no, come on, come on. Cigarettes are killers. Why are we running away from the FBI? Because I got to bring it back myself, otherwise I won't get my money. They're seeing America the hard way at gunpoint. Robert De Niro. It is truly in your best interest to just relax. I'm totally relaxed. Charles Grodin. $2, that's all you're going to leave? That's 15%. That's 13%. These people depend on tips for a living. From the director of Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run. The connection is uh, they were shot like a block or three away from each other at the same time. (laughs) No kidding. How did you find that out? (laughs) It's on I am Dibble. Dibble? Uh, yeah, Midnight Run is one of my favorite movies. At the time, it was a big hit. It's critically acclaimed. There was uh, maybe three TV sequels to it. I didn't know but that. But I really... I did, yeah, uh, Christopher McDonald takes over for the Robert De Niro character. It's, it's like catchy names like Midnight Run for Your Life, Run for hmm. the Money, stuff like that. Um, they're not good. But the, uh, the original is extremely good. It's from the director of Beverly Hills Cop, Martin Brest. And I think it's been kind of forgotten. I don't... I don't uh, hear people talk about it anymore, even though uh, at the time it was kind of like word of mouth kind of movie. That happens sometimes. So some stuff continues like a strong life on video, and then some stuff kind of fades away. Now, I saw it for the first time because uh, at the th- I, when it came out, 88, I was a young teen, and uh, I didn't get to R-rated movies. And plus, that looks like just totally a bunch of adults, no fun for kids, even right. if it's an action movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, conservative family environment oh so. there's a lot of f-bombs i'm gonna warn yeah, oh, you oh it's you got 119 seen it, holy 119 crap 19 in the entire movie yeah there uh, was actually so a many. clip where they add up isn't there a clip um, on youtube where they add up how many times he drops the f-bomb like it, it's it it's not okay i enjoyed the movie i really did except it's a bit long in the tooth and for danny elfman's score it's a really uh it doesn't sound like Danny Elfman to me. No, you, it doesn't. It's so perfectly caps, encapsulates like a Viagra type dudes. Well, this is when kind uh, of music. bars. It's like blues you know, bar rock. Bands. Yeah, you know, like yeah, when bar band, Thunderbirds and stuff like that were popular. Yeah, um, and, and Danny Elfman doesn't. He's he's known for circusy and sort of ska music. If you listen to Oingo Boingo, um, and that's what I did. Growing up in Southern California, they were huge, enormous down there. And uh, then his movie music took on the dark macabre twist with the Tim Burton stuff. But then every once in a while, he did like uh, Wisdom or Back to School. Uh, back to yeah, Back to School stuff that just it was like stinky of the eighties, saxophony yeah. and like blues riffs. But it sounds like the music that comes that you hear on the Cialis commercial. <laughs> Yeah, except better performance because it's Danny Elfman's uh, orchestra. But yeah, um, that stuff was the stuff that really hit me hardest. Like, the most obvious, like, no thank you about it was the music and how long it was. 
I wonder if they could edit, trim, you know, tighten things up a bit. Uh-huh. And come out with an hour and a half movie, because it's just about two hours. A movie that's an hour and a half that is just as good. Well, Martin Brest is known for excessive cuts, which bit him in the butt with Meet Joe Black and Geely. Now he no longer gets to make any movies. Because <laughs> uh. he, he insisted on director's cut after... Um, after Beverly Hills Cop, and you know he, that made so much money, who's gonna say no? They just want to be in, uh, you know, make a movie with them. Any studio's gonna be like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, you know. And the first two times it worked, Santa Woman and Midnight Run, and then after that it just kind of. Yeah. Uh, but what I love about the movie, the plot of Midnight Run, if you haven't seen it, is Charles Grodin uh, stole a bunch of money. He's an accountant who stole a bunch of money from the mob, went on the run, and. Uh, Robert De Niro is a kind of a low-rent bail bondsman, basically just going from job to job. That's how he barely makes it by. Um, he's an ex-cop. He's an ex-cop who was set up for a crime against the same mobster. Wait, the the mobster who uh, Charles Grodin was working for is also the same mobster that is responsible for setting up Robert De Niro and making him lose his job, lose his family, basically. He hasn't seen his mm-hmm. kid in forever because... They're just a sh- he's embarrassed uh, of the whole situation. He's been run out, basically run out of Chicago. Right, and uh, it's just like all he had to do was just go pick up Charles Grodin and bring him right back, and it turns into one of the biggest nightmares of his life. It's so difficult, and part of it is because Charles Grodin is a fast talker. If you don't like Charles Grodin, you're gonna hate this movie because a lot of it is about him. And he is definitely a yapper, and he he talks his way out of a lot of situations. Either by it's making things up. It's not mile a minute. Uh, for folks that don't really know, Charles Grodin is really dry, okay, and he has this delivery—a very dry delivery. It's not a fast. He's a fast talker in the sense that he's like uh, he gets out of he can manipulate. That's what I think right. you're meaning, right? Yes. But uh, he's not like um, you know, micro machines do. No, no, no. It's just he has a way of working his, making everything work in his angle. You know, just everything is like, uh, oh, uh, I'm afraid of airplanes. I can't be on airplanes. Oh, I'm going to cause this huge situation, which forces him off the airplane, which gives him another yep. opportunity to escape. Um, right. You know, of course, like it, it, it's stereotypical now. It's a cliche, I guess, not stereotypical. Uh, a cliche that you know, of course, they're exact opposites and they end up becoming buddies. They work together. Yeah. You know, that was kind of a newer thing when that movie came out. But now, if, if we were to see it now, they go, oh, that's so expected. Well, it was like, okay, well, no, not, okay. It wasn't an exploited thing. It wasn't quite new. You had things like uh, the Defiant ones that did that with black and white criminals. Uh, okay, okay chain gang that. And stuff like that. It's old. It's old trope, but it wasn't exploited so much. Yeah, so now it's just 80s, like so common. The 80s hit, you had that with 48 Hours. Um, 48 Hours. And another 48 hours. And uh, stuff like this, like, you had things build into the cliche that it is. And by that time, it wasn't quite at its peak. No. You know what's funny is, um, the reason I discovered this movie is every single year at the beginning of school, they would bring everybody into the auditorium and they show, like, this half-hour clip of all these exciting things, like action movie clips and music clips and, you know, just to get you revved up for the year and have, like, all these, like, motivational lines on the screen and all this stuff. Huh. And I remember seeing all these explosions. I'm like, what is that from? And I see Robert De Niro and, you know, he's, like, you know, shooting stuff and this car's blowing up. I'm like, what is that? And uh, total motivation. And then I watch, yeah, I don't understand why explosions and shooting were all part of it. But And then I watched <laughs> the very end and it would show, like, the movie clips. I was like, Midnight Run? I've never seen that because I'd seen the rest of the movies. This clip yeah. was used like four or five years afterwards. It was uh, like combined with <laughs> clips from like Backdraft and stuff like that. 
<laughs> what the heck? Motivation! Explosions. I don't know. Who's that going to motivate? For what? I have no idea who put these together, but you have like a thousand kids in front of this. And you could be like, a bail bondsman. Yeah. All right. We can chase mobsters down. Third degree burns. Backdraft. <laughs> and, you know, that was it. Now, just every single year they did the same thing, just new clips. And it's like, I never, that's, I looking back on it, I go, that was absurd. What was that all about? That's bizarre. That's really strange. I guess just to get you excited <laughs> about school again. <laughs> not not going to happen. Nope. Uh, so, so uh, I do think um, this movie, Midnight Run, I think it's a, a fine film to watch if you can handle all the F words. Um, uh, not one to watch around your parents, obviously. Uh, there's no sex. There's just violence and running away from guns. And shooting yeah. and car crashes. I watched it with, I watched it with my and, parents. And they but... jump. They <laughs> jump from vehicle to vehicle. Sometimes a train. Sometimes a, a car. Sometimes a truck. It's, it's a violent planes, trains, and yeah, automobiles. Yeah, I, I actually was saying. I said to my wife, "This could have been called planes, trains, and automobiles." Really. It has a good supporting cast: uh, Joy Pants, uh, John Ashton. Yeah. Try to remember Dennis Farina. Been a few Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina. Yeah. He did. He. The reason why his scenes were shot. Only in Vegas it was because he was shooting Crime Story, the TV show at the time. Yeah, I was wondering. So, oh, also one last thing before we move on to the next movie is uh, Robin Williams was set to play. Um, he even was going to test for uh, Charles no Jordan's kidding. character, uh, the Duke, and um, Breast already talked to. Groden and really liked Groden's take on the character, and so he cast him without even hmm. seeing Robin Williams. It would have been a different Which is movie. Weird, cause two, yeah, two years later, though, oh, yeah, you know, the script would have been thrown out the window. Robin would have just improv mm-hmm. half of that movie. But, you know, uh, then Robert De Niro and uh, Robin Williams would team up two years later in The Awakenings, which is kind of weird. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. So, all right, next movie. Next movie is uh, you and I both really like this movie. It's Motorama. Yeah, Motorama. I did not get to watch it uh, close to the show. I saw it about four years ago, so it's not fresh in my mind. Ah, the open road. It calls to everyone, but it's no place to kid around. Ah! And Gus isn't your ordinary kid. He knows a man has to go. Want to play with me? Beat a kid. Where a man has to go. I play Motorama. Spelled out Motorama. Grand prize of 500 million. Come on in. Just how did you make enough money to buy a fancy set of wheels like that? I sold my stamp collection. But there's more than one game on the road. Hey, old pirate. Old pirate? Billy, you say win. Win? <laughs> I thought you said you were going to let me win a little bit. I lied. Loss builds character. You don't have a girl with you, do you? No. He plays Motorama. <laughs> This contest will never expire. Martha Quinn, Jared Morris, Michael J. Pollard, three of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Drew Barrymore, Meatloaf, and introducing Jordan Christopher Michael, Motorama, the ultimate road odyssey, from the writer of After Hours. Hello, Rob? No, empty it. <laughs> yeah, so I saw it actually shortly, I would say, 92, 93, maybe? Yeah, um, it was on HBO. actually, I didn't it see it until about five years or ago. Cinemax. So I, I saw it at a younger age than you did. Right. So this movie has stuck with me for since forever. Also, it's another Flea movie. Flea's in it. 
He's got a really funny line. I've been paid already! Which isn't <laughs> funny in this context, but that's... Um, I think... Okay, anyway. So we have a couple movies on this list where it, they feel like they're the last of the peculiar movies. Movies that were kind of off-kilter, exploring the bizarreness of the West. That was kind of a thing in yeah. the late 70s. Americana. Yeah, yeah, the late 70s, early 90s. There's a lot of uh, movies and music and stuff that kind of like, you know, there's the whole cowpunk scene that Southern Culture on the Skids was part of. And, mm-hmm. you know, the B-52s explored it. Uh, I think it hit its pinnacle when um, Tim Burton, all his movies started becoming big. You know, uh, yeah. it started with Pee-wee's Big Adventure and kind of capped it with Edward Scissorhands and Ed. Looking at stuff from the 50s and 60s. You, Ed, what do you mean? Yeah, Ed. You said Ed. Well, no, sorry, Edward Scissorhands and Ed Wood. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. uh, Ed is that stupid monkey. Ed is a monkey. Yeah, movie. sorry. <laughs> but taking things from the 50s and 60s, like kitschy stuff, and yeah. bringing them to the 80s and 90s and kind of exploring it, but and somehow, instead of it being just like dorky, somehow it ended up kind of cool. Like It, it really speaks to me. You have no idea. I didn't grow up in, in my formative years, of course. I'm always going to reference this in the show. Thanks. From... From my memorable, like when I could remember, I was in America for like three and a half, no, four and a half years or something like that, uh-huh. until we moved to Europe. Uh, from that point uh, until I was eleven, I was in Europe. Moved in '85 when just before I turned eleven, and we drove across country from so road trip. We could have made a movie out yeah. of it. Drove cross country from JFK Airport all the way to Southern California, where my dad was stationed in the Air Force. So um, we hit. And maybe this is why all these movies speak to me because five, six years later, I start seeing these road trip movies where they drive across America or a false America, like what the Motorama does. Motorama is about a, an abused kid who uh, goes on the lam. He just has to get out of his abusive uh, environment, so he steals his dad's car. Uh, he makes a contraption so that his feet can actually yeah. reach the pedals. <laughs> Which is ingenious. Yeah, so then it starts off really dark, and it has other dark moments in it, but throughout the movie it's got a lot of smatterings of hope and oddness. I feel, what it, what it feels like is a, um, a modern-day grim fairy tale. You know, something where he's or going on his adventures. With... like Sullivan's Travels sort yeah, of Yeah, something. It's just, uh, it feels like a fairy tale. It doesn't feel like it's yeah. real. It's like one step yeah, out of reality. Yeah, it's fantastical. Um, the... He he drives and he goes to a gas station. The first place he stops is a gas station. He sees these cards for Motorama. And Motorama is a sweepstake where if you scratch off uh, the card and you spell out the word Motorama, you'll be eligible for super a lot of money and um eligible is the key word yeah. there <laughs> and it, that's his epic journey is to find all of these letters and he meets of course all these oddball characters along the way uh, i can't remember there's a uh, drew barrymore is significant in it but uh, not wasn't, really. wasn't there a She's lot a of cast girl. members like people who pop in yeah and there's ton but a lot of tons, like cool like... independent guys um but something about the movie you know the, the best thing about the movie is the kid they didn't pick a kid who acted like a kid. Now he he just acted like um, what would a kid do to try to show that he can be independent and tough? And he's like he's a cynical kid because his life's been pooped on right. for probably since day one. 
So did that kid ever go on to anything else? I don't. I don't. Nah, no, familiar no. At he's, all. he's done. I think one or two other things. I don't quite remember. Actually, I have everything open here. Because he was a talented anyway. kid, I, I was hoping for more from him. But uh, unless he he's back and he just looks different, because you know that happens. Right. Well, it's it's a weird movie. That movie. Um, every state that he goes into is representative of a state that we have in America, except it's it's not. It's called something else. Right. They all have different names, and I forget what the names are. Now the movie. Jordan. The movie. Christopher Michael is the kid's name. Yeah, the movie is on DVD, but it is on Hulu for free. So you got your computer, you just pop it open. Watch it for nothing. Yeah, he's last thing he did was uh, The Favor in 1994. Okay. So, no. He just decided acting wasn't fun for him or something. Yeah, I can see that. He moved on. All right. But uh, this movie, 10-year-old boy gets tired of life with abusive parents, crashes his piggy bank, and uh, steals a Mustang. Rides off on a surreal American journey playing motorama the game sponsored by and at the end of it uh he gets the the uh the rug pulled out from under him only to you know uh realize what's most important for him not not this this uh, game but actually finding a good family a better family so it's it's a really strange and oddball film Strange characters along the way. Now, I don't know if this is jumping ahead a little bit, but um, there's one movie that I thought was a perfect combination with this, is Reuben and Ed. Oh, almost. You did jump ahead. All right, we'll uh, wait. No, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. It is. It does have a similar tone, and it was shot around the same time. Reuben Farr needed company. That's it. Get out of this house and make yourself a friend. No! Yes! No! Yes! No! Ed Tuttle needed customers. Excuse me. That's off. Fate brought them together. Hello, Reuben. What a tremendous day. What say we motor on over to the seminar and get you started on the express to success? Nope. I guess you're pretty broken up about your cat. Why don't you keep your hands off other people's refrigerators? Why don't you bury your cat in sea? Can't save water. You'll need to bury him out in the desert. He'll be frost. Like an ice. That's a good idea. So they hit the road. Any cat in their right mind would be happy as a clam to be married here. Now you have to admit that. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I don't have to admit anything. Bury the cat. Is this the right spot? It's going to get weird now. My cat can eat a whole watermelon. I can't believe that you didn't even get one person to that stupid seminar. Reuben and Dave, starring Crispin Glover. I am a Republican. Howard Hessman. Hello, Reuben. No. Is that you? And Karen Black. Reuben and Dave. They don't know where they're going, but they're on their way. So, Reuben okay. and Ed. Reuben and Ed, to me, became something epic because I had seen a clip of it in 1992 on short attention span theater. Do you remember this show on Comedy Central? Mm-hmm. You but know, I don't I, remember why. I remember it, but I don't remember it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was one of those title. shows where it was just clips. It was basically two comedians. Usually it was like Jake Johansson, Mark Maron, a couple other, you know, and a girl. And uh, they would, you know, be up there just kind of introducing clips, kind of humor back and forth. It was like a comedy news channel, a uh, news yeah. show. Yeah. And so they would do clips from like Mr. Bean and Monty Python, Kids in the Hall, and I discovered all these shows through that show. You know, all these great comedians like Dana Gould and you know stuff like that. 
uh, kind of like comedian comedians, not your big mainstream guys, just yeah. guys who are yeah, on yeah. the road working the their craft, you know, and so you, you listen to that, or you watch that, and you see clips of movies too being promoted, and sometimes people would come on. Now, of course, Chris McGlover was kind of a challenge to interview on any show, so they didn't bring him on, they didn't bring on Howard Hassman or the director, so I thought that was kind of strange, they just played a clip, huh. and it's a clip where he is in the lake inner tube. on what I, what, what I thought was a giant donut. But it's just a big inner tube. Yeah. And his cat is water just skiing. being pulled along. Yeah, and he's like, my, my cat, cat can eat a whole watermelon. Water yeah, that was my favorite line. And that was it. That's I, all I they think showed. Uh, New Wave Laser Cats 2 has that line in it. The the song that I did. For, yeah. For, I, I designed a couple of shirts. New Wave Laser Cats and New Wave Laser Cats 2, Meow or Never. And it, they're movie poster-like. And uh, the... Second one, I did songs for each of them actually, um, because of like that. I don't know. And where can we get these songs? Uh, station exclamation dot bandcamp dot com. <laughs> Completely free. Listen to them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that has that my cat can eat a whole watermelon bit in it because I just love the line. Um, and weirdo. Hey weirdo. Weirdo. <laughs> hey weirdo. Okay, so. Here's some history about this, though. Before the movie was even shot, Crispin Glover was working on the character Reuben Farr. And he made an appearance on the David Letterman show as Reuben Farr. He had his long, hippie hair. He had the the, the shirt that he was wearing. It's like a prototype for Reuben Farr. Um, the shirt with butterfly collar and bell-bottoms pants. Tight pants with flared... And, uh, flared bell bottoms and uh, the boots um, what are they called platform shoes so, yeah. so he's wearing that and he, he has this really difficult interview with David Letterman which culminates in him doing some sort of karate routine and nearly kicking David Letterman in the face which I don't think he actually came as close as, as David Letterman liked to claim because you can see the footage on Yaltube as I like to call it um, because right now I'm in Tennessee, everybody says y'all. Anyway, so you can watch that, and then you watch the follow-up interview a few years later, and he's promoting some other thing. He's promoting his album. Um, the solution. He had an is, album. Yeah, the solution is "Let It Be" is the the shortened version of it. Um, but um, he has a song called "Clowny Clown Clown" on it. Uh, that album is really bizarre, just like Crispin Glover. But Crispin yeah. Glover shows up, and he's doing this interview, and he's trying to explain to David Letterman that hey, that wasn't him. That was Reuben Farr. That was a kid that he met in in 1978 when he was in school, who looked an awful like a lot like him, except he was just um, a, the weirdo sort of bizarro version of. Crispin Glover, which can that really happen? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right. But um, much respect to Crispin Glover, but he's a nut, and we all know it. He knows it. So, um, but he's actually on another interview I saw. He's actually a lot more well spoken if he's not performing. So, uh, not well spoken, but like he's put together. Yes. Um, but when he's performing and he does the nut, that his his that persona is bizarre. And so, like, Reuben Farr, the character in Reuben and Ed, like, preceded Reuben and Ed. 
And David Letterman just wasn't having it, so he's just trying to make make uh, make fun of Chris McGlover. So how did it go from being that character to the movie? I don't know this. I don't know. I it might have been. Uh, you you should talk to Trent Harris. You should have an interview yeah. with him and ask him about it. Um, maybe it's one of the most fascinating movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. So Ruben and Ed is about this uh, somewhat agoraphobic weirdo guy named Ruben who stays at home and his mom's like, "I've had it." You should go meet friends. No! You know, and so on. Uh, he has a cat, and his cat dies. His cat gets murdered, actually. Um, yes, which horrifying, horrifying. Horrifying way to die. Yeah, in a pool, um, which leads Being into the, the water skiing scene and all that stuff. And he has flights of fancy sometimes. He has these dream sequences that happen with, my cat can eat a whole watermelon. Um, but he... Uh, meets Howard Hessman, who comes door to door, and he's what is he part of a multi-level marketing sort of thing? Yeah, and basically a pyramid scheme. Just yeah. it's all, all a con job, basically just bringing people in, having them pay. Then they bring people in, they have them pay, and yeah. it's supposed to be like this bunch of motivational speech kind of things. You know, uh, I could have swore in the first uh, meeting with the uh, what's it called, the institution. Mm-hmm. The ah, I forgot. I just watched it last night again. I can't remember <laughs> the. Um, but whatever it is, you know, he's sitting there talking about real estate and how to be popular and how to have friends and, oh, I have this $2,500 watch and I drive a very fancy right. car. Basically, it's all just this pyramid scheme. So mm-hmm. Howard Hessman, you know, he goes out and he tries to get Crispin Glover to come back with him to the meeting. Because which... he's got, he, he's being, he's like the loser of the bunch uh, of the meeting. Everybody there is like, you haven't brought anybody in, loser. Yeah, they treat, everybody treats him like crap. Both and, of the characters are treated like crap by everybody. Right. So, Ed... They, go ahead. Yeah, basically, Ed is just trying desperately to get him to come to the meeting. But part of the deal is, oh, it's time to bury this cat, which is in the freezer. Yeah. And just getting it to the right place in the desert and the torture that comes about. is It's a road movie, but it's not one of those where they go from town to town to town. Right. It's basically just trying to get this one destination, but... Uh, Ruben will not pick the right place. Yep. So they just keep going, and the car shuts down, and, and, and all then these they issues have to come go up. on foot, and then they come across what is All it? I'm going to say is there's Another a scene car. where they're, they're in the desert, so they're obviously hot, beyond hot, and they're sweating to death. And Ruben takes the insole of his shoe and <laughs> ah, squeezes it into his mouth. It gets worse. That is not the grossest moment by any means. I'm not going to ruin it. But... Uh, yeah, it's just basically a road movie where they're just trapped in the desert, just trying to find their way back to civilization. The, the director, Trent Harris, is is known for making odd films. Uh, he did the Beaver Trilogy, which I think I've only seen two parts of. Um, <sighs> was it Plan 8 from Outer Space? Supposed to be a prequel? Was, was, was it, it Plan, Plan 8 or Plan 10? I think it did Plan 10. Something about Mormons. Because he lives in Utah. Um, but, uh... This this is I think his mas- his masterpiece, his magnum opus. The way it is shot, every scene in that desert, he finds something very very interesting to look at. There yep. there is so much going on beyond what is you know the story. He tells a story. The, the the locations are characters themselves, and you're just absolutely fascinated just by watching what he found out there. Yeah, I want to know where this stuff is because. I think he actually uses that one that one thing from Star Trek, you know, that famous rock. No, does he use that? Oh, oh that, that's like that. that's Gorn Rock. That's in Valencia, California. 
Okay, because I think it's Valencia. Like anyway, it's in but the for the rest of it, though, he just finds stuff that I've never seen in film ever, and it looks amazing. It looks otherworldly, like uh-huh. something you would see in Dune or John Carter. Yeah, it was amazing. Or or Gnome Valley. He, he, did he shoot in Gnome Valley? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I actually don't. I don't know much about the making of this movie. That's I, a Galaxy uh, Quest with the the Garizneck. Oh. That's in Gnome Valley. All these you little know what? things That's they possible. call it gnomes. They call the rock formations. But gnomes. he was there first, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this was one of those movies that uh, I sought out um, in the mid '90s. A friend named Brian. He was a, a librarian, and he. I talked to him about these movies that I was looking for, but uh, my video store, where I even worked, uh, didn't have these cool movies. They didn't have Ribbon no. and Ed. They didn't have, at the time, Evil Dead, Ribbon and Ed, Eraserhead, and to a lesser extent, Ed and his dead mother. I call these movies, movies of the Ed, <laughs> uh, or films of the Ed. And uh, I sought them out, and he actually supplied them for me, except for Ed and his dead mother. I found that on my own. Um, that's what Steve Buscemi. Uh, and Ruben and Ed, it was just an odd experience. It was not in a negative way, but it might just sound negative. But this is what I was waiting for? <laughs> like, all, actually, all of it. E- 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 not, uh, not Evil Dead, but Eraserhead. And Ruben and Ed, I was dumbfounded about when I first saw them. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't find any cult movies unless they had just come out. For some reason, with like all eight video stores we had in this tiny little Indiana town, none of them carried this. So I couldn't find it there. And then years later, I would travel all over Fort Wayne, which is like half a million people. Mm-hmm. No, no video stores had it. Nobody had it. I don't know if it was a thing where the tapes got rented so much they got ruined or stolen or just no one in Indiana really found interest in buying them because you know cult movies in Indiana aren't very popular. Um, I would not find it until 2000 when eBay first started up. I paid $50 for my copy of Reuben and Ed. Holy caca, dude. 50 bucks. Yeah, and then I, I was Trent broke, is selling so, it, I think, a DVD. He of is. It. He is selling it. I don't know if it's in widescreen. I, I hope it's in widescreen. It looks like the movie that should be dude, seen that way. Dude, um, I'm pretty sure I saw the clip from uh, Short Attention Span Theater, actually. I'm pretty sure that's how I knew about it. Yeah. Yeah, I had to sell it off, and, uh... Now that you say I, it, like, I yeah. just thought about it, like, I, I really just thought about it while you're talk- talking. Uh, I didn't listen to a single word that you said. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking in my own head, a jumble of words that were mine. Uh, which was, where did I actually really hear of this movie first? It wasn't from the David Letterman stuff. Where did I hear of it first? And I remember seeing that clip of my cat can eat a whole watermelon. <laughs> and I think I just sought it out after that. Okay, so on echocave.net, you can find Ruben and Ed on DVD. He was smart enough to keep the rights, or maybe he just licensed the rights. I know it was from a company called IRS Media. Um, they did maybe a couple dozen movies for limited release. IRS most is a folks. music label, mostly. Right. So, then they shut down, I think, in the early 90s. I don't know why. I think their music label was doing well. Weren't they responsible for the Go-Go's? I'm not wrong? sure. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, but they tried movies. They did, like, Circuitry Man and a couple others. I don't oh, really right. They weren't, they, weren't, they weren't a big label. No. But uh, they did, like, really cool cult movies that just never had much success. So, they shut down. Ruben Ed, I think, is one of their last movies. 
Yeah, well, um, this is, yes, the handful of odd nuts that we're handing you. Here, have some odd nuts, Ruben and Ed, Motorama. Dudes, Midnight Run's not so odd. But it's no. It's just but a, we need to we keep, yeah. need a couple movies that are kind of forgotten and yeah. that are mainstream yeah, yeah. to help hook the show. Like I said, Midnight Run snuck by me. I never saw it until this week. But um, the next one is actually odd, but not so odd. It is another one of those uh, things that uh, got a director known. I think it's something wild. Charlie's a mild-mannered executive who's never been far from home. Now Lulu's taking him all the way. I'm Lulu. Charles, pleased to meet you. Wait, 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 where are we going? I've never done anything like this before. Don't worry, Charlie, I have. I mean, look straight, you know, but right down in here, that's where it counts. Deep down, I got what it takes. If you were my mother and I brought this guy home as my husband, what would you think? Very nice. But I'd get rid of those handcuffs if I were you. But when Lulu brings Charlie home... Oh, gosh. ...things start to change. Hi, baby. Surprise. There's someone waiting to change something wild to something else. I missed you so damn much. It's over. Remember that. You should have never quit me, baby. You better ask yourself if you really want her. Something daring. I'm going to take Lulu. We're going to waltz right out of here. and There's not a damn thing you can do. (laughs) Something dangerous. Something wild. Okay, yes. Jonathan Demme. So he uh, had done some B-movies, some yeah. exploitation flicks, but smart exploitation flicks. What is it that got him something wild? Was it the movie with uh, Talking Heads? Was it Stop Making Sense? Maybe. Um, David Byrne, Jonathan Demme, yeah. Yeah, they were buddies. They... This is 1986, so yes, Stop Making Sense was 84. Okay, so it must have been what led to that. I think he did a couple minor studio movies. I know he got a lot of acclaim from Melvin and Howard before that. And, you know, uh, Something Wild was the first one that really broke him into the mainstream. It wasn't a huge hit, but it had a very strong following, and the critics loved it. Uh, It it was a breakout role for Melanie Griffith, Ray Liotta, and Jeff Daniels. Uh, Of course, the the, the first two had more success immediate, but Jeff Daniels had success later you know jonathan demi's first movie was caged heat yeah Women in prison movie then he did yes. crazy mama <laughs> and then from there he he started um not doing so much uh exploitation. he did some highway movie didn't he did he see some like uh, cb highway or something like that uh survival guy i don't know i don't okay. see it but <clears throat> I was watching this movie for the first time also. Another one that stuck, snuck by me. Watching it with my wife and at first we're like, these people, what? Like, we're trying to figure out their motivations. Right. It takes a while to get get where it needs to go and then it switches again and switches again. It's a movie that almost changes genres halfway through. Yeah, and this is another one that I think might might benefit from some snippage. Snippity snip. But, you know... Earlier movies, like when we when you know and, and watch movies now, like the really good ones, you can tell that they've been super edited, like edited right. by the script. Well, editor. I think people in the '80s had more patience too with their movies. Possibly, yeah. Um, We're an ADD you, nation. Yeah, I'm not that ADD. I can sit with Dune for forever, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also like my Bill and Ted's. So, um, 
But this movie, first thing I noticed about it really was the soundtrack. Soundtrack is pretty great. It's uh, it's a, an '80s New York, right? Right. So it has it has this. Uh, I'm wondering why wild if something wild the name something wild has any influence on the music that was in the movie, which was. Uh, initially, uh, the David Byrne song is actually very um, African in rhythm, and there's a few other songs on, in the soundtrack that have that are actually South African and stuff. Um, if like they were trying to bring the correlation, this kind of music is wild and savage, and with the well, title actually, wild. I, I started thinking about the movies we've discussed already. Almost every single one of these movies have an amazing soundtrack. Dudes well, has a great soundtrack. Dudes Ruben Ed is has good. Very interesting. It's punk. Um, I like Midnight Run, doesn't. even though you don't. What? what? Midnight Run? You like yeah. Midnight Run? It's this blues, rocky. Yeah. What'd you say that you didn't like music. though? I didn't like Midnight Run music, even though it was Danny Elfman. Oh. But Motorama doesn't have a good soundtrack. It doesn't have a soundtrack at all. Like, Actually, I don't it has know. a score. Yeah. It doesn't have any songs, and you'd think that it would because it's got Flea well, in the cast. Well, okay, hold it's on. Got Actually, Meatloaf in the cast. Yeah, I actually count score as soundtrack. Maybe oh, well, I, know, I know I know it's different because soundtracks usually like songs that are added on to the score. Yeah, but I mean just in well, general, actually, like, that's the music. What I'm talking about with with uh, something wild. It's right. that the the soundtrack itself is pretty solid all the way through. Even the stuff I'd never heard until this movie, pretty dang solid all the way through. Now I have not seen something wild in in oh maybe a decade. So it's probably best if you give the plot summary on this one. All right. So, so summary of the film is is Jeff Daniels uh, is sort of accosted and swindled by this lady, and then he follows her, and uh, then she says like, "Hey, get in my car. I'll give you a ride." And he's like, "But okay, I have to be at a meeting and whatever." And then she just doesn't go to that meeting. She doesn't. She just kind of kidnaps him, and he goes along with it. <laughs> And my wife and I were like, both of us were like, this is kind of a sexist film in a weird way. Presenting it, or, or he's stupid or something. Because if this the roles were reversed, if Jeff Daniels was in the car and he was as uh, eccentric looking as she was in the car, and he tried to take the, a lady who was straight-laced and normal looking... It would be like, heck no, I'm not getting in your car. You're a weirdo dude. But since she's pretty or something, it has a message in there that I don't agree with. Right there. I don't agree with that. But since she's pretty, I'll get in the car. You know, that sort of thing. Not so much. But, okay, that's just the hook to get you into the story. These two folks go on a, a bit of a road trip to meet her mom because... She wants to make a good impression and pass him off as her boyfriend sort of thing. And then uh, Ray Liotta shows up. And he's the ex-boyfriend, just got out of prison. Uh, ex-husband, actually. And then he starts a whole bunch of trouble. And boy, does it end, like, oh, in yeah. a rough-and-tumble kind of way. Like, kicking holes. It's like Terminator for a moment. Kicking holes in walls and stuff. Basically, it goes from like a, a, Um, oh, free this stiff guy from his restraints kind of comedy to, oh, this is now a thriller. Oh, things are getting dangerous here. Mm. Yeah, it's it's got, it teeters on on lighthearted and heavy. Um, 
and yeah, it's actually quite a quite an enjoyable film once you figure out. And I didn't give you any of that stuff in my summary. Once once it exposes the the motivations of these certain characters, you really uh, you really go, oh, uh, okay, yeah. at least <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, at least I wouldn't have gotten into the car. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it was not a bad film. You know, at all. you mentioned Bill and Ted's earlier. Do you think Bill and Ted's counts yeah. as a road movie? Because usually time travel movies go to one time, but this one goes to so many different times. It says if it's a road movie, but through the channels of space and time, circuits of time. Yeah, no, it's a circuit movie. Why we don't have a circuit <laughs> genre? <laughs> but they're going through the circuits of time. No, but it feels like you know that's a meta- okay. It's not a literal road. That's I'm like saying joking. Oh, I was Come saying, on. Okay, I'm giving you a hard time. All right, next movie. <laughs> next movie. Okay, brand new to you, Magicians. Yes, and it there was... is no trailer for this. There is nothing I can show you and have you except maybe I can maybe try to rip the DVD or something and give you some audio. But but there's nothing I can I can present to you in audio form right now that that shows you what a brilliant movie this is. Yeah, I, I I've heard stuff about it. I don't think I even got a wide release. Did it even go? Did no, you, you I'll tell you, I, when I was working at Blockbuster, like the last year I was working at Blockbuster is when this video was like a Blockbuster exclusive. Oh, it was. Okay, I remember when they used to do that kind of stuff. It's uh, James Marandino, SLC Punk fame. Who's doing a sequel, Punk. Yeah, which punk is dead. a road movie, and it does not look good. I'm sorry, James. This, to me, this is your masterpiece. SLC Punk is a fine film, I do believe. Magicians is the masterpiece. Oh, it's so good. It's so insanely good, and I cannot believe it. You didn't just get... watched it for the first time, right? which felt like I was pulling your teeth to get you to watch it. I know, that. I know. You've been talking about it for like months. Right, but it's fresh to you. Your impression or the plot or whatever you want to say. Okay, so it's fresh to you. Uh, basically, it's both of them are German, right? I don't want to feel like an idiot mm-hmm. for now. Okay, both are German. I, th- I think the I think the other guy might be Italian. Um, it's embarrassing. Till Schweiger. You, you, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Till Schweiger. I don't remember the other guy's name. Uh, Till Schweiger is like one of those fast talking, smooth performing kind of guys, but he has no musical uh, no uh, magical talent. Now the guy he grabs has uh, basically a con artist way about him. He's very good with uh, pickpocket and, and, you know... Slide of hand. Slide of hand. Yeah. But he has no style and no performance, you know? It's all about... He's good with the magic stuff or the illusion stuff, whereas Till Schweiger is good with the distraction, the, the big, uh, everybody, here we go with the show, you know, and like that kind of stuff. He's a performer. Yeah. He's the showman, yeah. So he tries to get him up to his level with... Opening up to people to, and at the same time they're trying to teach Till Schweiger how to learn magic. All of this. Who is ch- trying to teach him? Alan Arkin. Ah. Now this is not. This so is, it's good. so funny when I was watching that. Alan Arkin. I kept going. That's odd. This is a little bit like Burt Wonderstone. Of course, this took place 15 years before Burt Wonderstone. And, yeah, and it's much better. I wonder if he got cast in that movie because of magicians. I mean, that's a slight possibility. Maybe. Maybe it's just an interest that he has. Yeah. But he's like, uh, so, oh my god, he's amazing, absolutely amazing in this movie. Everything he says is like, if it isn't hilarious, hilarious. it's fascinating. Yeah, it's so, it's, most of the time it's funny. 
Um, and he cusses his head off in it, but it's, it's like listening to the funniest dude in the world cuss. Yeah. And he's an old guy who... he. He's he's a master magician, except that he he can't do specific tricks because he's got these these uh, huge fingers, huge windows in my freaking hands. <laughs> and it's so funny. Um, uh, Claire Forlani joins the ride. She's a she's a um, a waitress that quits her job just to become an assistant. You know, I've never known how uh, Claire Forlani is a difficult actress because sometimes she can be awful. I think her most well-known uh-huh. role is Mallrats, which she is ter- yeah. she's terrible in Mallrats. But she's been good at some stuff, but most of the stuff that she's well, good she in... Well, she's Joe Black. Eh. She, well, you mentioned that. and she well, That's another notable role. Yeah. People do know her from that. That's true. But a lot of the stuff she did, either she was just, oh, she's just the girlfriend, she's just the wife, she's just the assistant... She has had some good stuff to do, but I would say that either she doesn't have the really strong acting ability or no one knows how to explore it. And this is one of those roles where James Marandino knew how to get what he needed out of her. Yeah, she, she's uh, she's another pretty pretty easy, strong chick. Easy, like easy going, like whatever's whatever. It's cool. And she doesn't really play up being a chick, man. Um... And there's not a whole lot of, uh, yeah, not a lot to disagree with in, in this movie. Yeah, I, I, there, there, there's no so there's good. no false moments. There's no moment that drags. There's no moment where I felt like, oh, this could be edited out. And basically, it's about these guys getting their act together and finally getting it to Vegas. And it, it has it has some real magical realism stuff in it too, where it jumps from the reality of the show into some some kind of fancy. Real magic. Well, I also sort of love the fact that the final destination is not this big, epic. Oh, this is something that's not realistic. There's no way they would get to this huge competition, this magic competition, or this huge magic show. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you're in Vegas, you're in front of a decent sized audience, and. Uh, they pull off this trick that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Even today, 15 years later, I know it's a special effects thing, but it's still, it's like, yeah, that's. Wow. That's a moment right, we stop then. and hold that. And I was like, that's that's a great moment. Yeah, and it's such a good movie. Um, and yet nobody knows about it. In fact, I wasn't even sure it was on DVD until I looked it up yeah. on Amazon because I had never seen it anywhere. I've got it. I I got it when when I could, like the moment that I could get it. And so I've had it for a very, very long time. <laughs> um, and uh, Cinemageddon has it. That's the only other place that you can find it. Is, is it. is it out of print? Yeah. Uh, it's dang. It's just, yeah. I wish I wish somebody would fund. I wish James Marandino was in a better place. Uh, I don't mean heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, financially, like with a production studio or something that that believes in the crap that he does, because it's not necessarily all crap. You know, it's pretty good stuff most of the time. Yeah, I, th- this I honestly, is, this is outside of great. SLC Punk, I had never seen anything else, and then Magicians just blew me away. So now I'm gonna go search out the rest of his stuff. He did. He did uh, something called Cremains, or a, that's the original title of it. Um, it's a horror movie, and it's all right. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not the worst, but but it came at a time when horror was uh, on shaky legs. Oh, okay. Early two thousands, post two thousand. Yeah. So, but yeah, magicians, not to be confused with the Mitchell and Webb movie, Magicians from 2007. 
which is what you first said. I've already seen it. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's on it's on Netflix, and I was like, "What? It is." <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked, and I was like, "Not that one." Which isn't a bad so movie. So then I gave either. you a copy. No, that's a fine movie. It's not a road trip, though. All right, next movie. Well, this is one that I finally realized that I don't like. Harold never got too far with the ladies. The only girls who are interested in me are girls I have no interest in. Harold! Go, go, go! Kumar never got much respect. What kind of name is that anyhow, huh? Kumar. Where's the five O's or two U's? But tonight... In the next couple of hours, I expect both of us to be blitzed out of our skulls. They're going on a trip. Get up, we're going to White Castle. We're starving. They'll never remember. This summer is thinking about those tender little White Castle burgers. This makes me want to burn this mother down. Come on, let's burn this mother down! They're going to discover what they're made of, what they're up against, and who they're dealing with. Are you Neil Patrick Harris? Yep. We've just been driving around looking for White Castle. Forget White Castle. Let's go get some strippers. Lap dance. So you think this is just about the burgers, huh? It's about far more than that. This night's about the American dream. New Line Cinema presents That Asian Guy from American Pie. Did Neil Patrick Harris just steal my car? Yes. And that Indian guy from Van Wilder. Thank God I found you. We have an emergency. Do you happen to know how to get to the White Castle? Yeah. Why? From that white guy who directed... Dude, where's my car? Where's his car, dude? Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Harold and Kumar. You don't like Harold and Kumar, the first one? Um, okay, look, it's it's a movie that I can laugh through and enjoy while it's on and uh-huh. laugh at and stuff. But when I sit back and think about it, okay, heck no. No, it's a pretty no empty-headed movie. Uh, I don't know. I, something about I like the movie. The fact that, A, uh, it was a studio film. With an Asian and an Indian lead, which was very unusual for a buddy comedy. Not, I mean, besides Cheech and Chong, yeah. it was always white guys, usually, or a white yeah. and black. Or a white and black, yeah. Yeah. And. Or in Crash Courses. Uh, is it Crash Course? Pat Morita and Jay Oh, uh, Crash Collision. You know, and collision I think. Course. Of course, collision Course. You'll have to say this. A Rush Hour, of course, did it first with black and Asian, but here's the thing is not at no point do I really feel in Harold and Kumar that they play up the cliches of the race. At some point, sure. they usually drop Oh, they make something. fun of that. Yes, they, they poke make fun, fun of the cliches. The, the cliches. Yeah. It starts off with two white guys, Ethan Embry and, and some other dude or whatever. You think the movie's going to be about them, but it quickly shifts focus, makes those guys look like douchebags, and you know our heroes are guys who don't want to play up to their stereotypes. You know, uh, Kumar doesn't want to be a doctor. Uh, Harold is kind of tired of being the the guy that's good with math and numbers and the account and stuff. <laughs> right. And this is the this is the, the actual what you're doing. You're really selling it on these really good thoughtful yes, parts. But there are the, the, the thoughtful. It's the the foundation is thoughtful right there of those two characters. It's a thoughtful foundation between them, and then it gets completely. Uh, Dan- okay, Daniel Lanier does what he can with what he's got and I'm not going to say it's an awful movie by any means I still really enjoy it um, but the, the the whole journey itself is just kind of like one of those bonkers at times but oh, yeah. it's undermined by the American Pie Van Wilder kind of humor the, you know uh, how many more diarrhea right. scenes undermined do you need? how many good. more fart scenes how many uh, how many pot jokes I mean there's a lot of pot jokes 
Honestly, well, the whole thing is like they get blitz and have to go to white. That's true, but um, there's times when I feel like they. Could... That's 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 the the motivator. Yeah, Mugnuffin I just feel like they could have been. Tr- the... they, they could have tried a little bit harder to bring something fresh to the comedy. Um, mm-hmm. They almost achieved it with uh, Malin Ackerman and uh, oh dude from... yeah. And with his fake nose, then they lost it with his fake nose, with his prosthetics. Just you don't have to go that far with the prosthetics. Make him a well, little bit more real. What's his name? and then it's uh, foursome. It's gross. Yeah, but no, no. But what's <laughs> it's really name? gross. What's the, the, the the character he plays uh, uh, is a really bonkers I name for the character. Um, I remember. Well, the other scene, I really like the scene where um, they make fun of the extreme dudes. The ones that are like... Oh, right. That's funny. That's actually funny. And there's little bits like the uh, the one of the Wilson brothers, the Andrew Wilson. You know, the one where he's just barely crossing the street where he's not supposed to cross the street. All of a sudden, he pulls up out of nowhere. Um, I like the scene in the jail where they talk about, you know, the guy, uh, you know, the uh, highly educated. There's nothing about him that makes him look like a criminal. And they just arrest yeah. him for no reason. Uh, the Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy, I was about to mention. Jamie Kennedy's bizarre. scene is hilarious and weird. And... He should be doing more stuff like that, yeah. just full on, instead of trying to just do action movies with wrestlers. <laughs> or he's doing Tremors 5 now? Oh, uh, well, that might be okay. Um, what's the other per- person? That, oh, Neil Patrick Harris, of course. NPH. That, yeah, Neil Patrick Harris that, plays himself. This movie basically a, a ver- saved his career. Himself. The misogynistic, um, non-gay version of himself. Yeah. That's what he does. And there is a sequence. It's, it's funny. Initially, it's funny. There is a sequence go, of the oh, movie right. that I really enjoy. Is um, You know the scene towards the end of the movie where they... I, think, I can't remember if it's real or not. Where they ride the tiger or they ride the lion or whatever. It's, what, yeah, what do they ride? They leopard. ride something weird. It's a leopard, I think. leopard. And uh, so he hits his head and he goes into this dream sequence. And the I don't know who the artist is, but the way he designed the dream sequence was so fascinating to me that I had to go back and watch the making of it, of how he designed that sequence on, like, no money. And I don't know. It is, certain things in the movie seemed really special. It was a very low-budget movie. You know, it, it only cost 8 or $9 million. And uh, it was not that successful, even though it got some good critical buzz. But it blew up on video. It made like $50 million on video, so they made a sequel. The sequel sucks. And then they made a sequel to that. Guantanamo Bay is so bad. And most of it is because uh, Rob Coultry? Coultry? Ah, crap, I can't remember his name. Cordry. Rob Cordry. I cannot stand him in that movie. He is so terrible. But Maybe that's why my wife hates him. The third Harold Because Ag- I've seen him since then in various things, and Rob Corddry is... He can be pleasant. He can be great. He right. can have super perfect delivery. He can be the ass. He can be the a-hole. He can be all various kinds of comedy. And Guantanamo Bay, the sequel to this, is just... Yeah. And the third movie, the holiday movie, is actually pretty good. It's actually, I think, better than the first movie. But... It was all. It was damaged by the fact that the second one just got such a lukewarm reception. But the third one is really good. You know, the second one was uh, well. The second one was going to be called "Goes to Amsterdam." Yeah, and all of a sudden it just switched, and I'm like, "Where's what? Why didn't they stick to the original? Why didn't they go to Europe? That would have been a lot of comedy there. I know Euro Trip kind of already hit that uh, a couple years before. Money, if they were actually going to go to Europe, money. Yeah, you're right. Because I think the second one only cost $12 million. You know, I, they really kept the budgets tight, and I'd like to see something more with Harold and Kumar. I thought I think they're turning into, like, a cartoon series, which is never the uh, same. Oh, no. Never the same. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you, what cartoon series is better than anything. What? That 
preceded it. Clerks, the cartoon series. Yeah, that's pretty good. At first, I didn't like it, but now I watched it again recently, and yeah, it's pretty enjoyable. I'm not going to say it's better I, than... I, look, I don't like Kevin Smith in a general sense. I like little bits and pieces of his, his, his catalog. Yeah. But Clerks, even though it's still like you watch it now, the rhythm and the timing of all the jokes isn't exactly on. They could do it much better now because they have better technology to hammer this stuff out faster. This is still an old school animation show, so it was sent over to Korea for six months, come back, one show's done. So, um, editing and timing and stuff, but the bear is driving scene. Who's driving? Bear's driving! How could that be? (laughs) Is in my vernacular currently still, and it will always be, ever since I saw it. And, uh, like, I'll say that every once in a while, like... Who's driving? Like, like, my wife's mother will say, you know, when we're going to a store or something, we're all taking one car. She goes, who's driving? And under my breath, I go, Bear's driving. <laughs> <laughs> How could that be? So, anyway. Harold and Kumar, cartoon. I don't see it being any good. So Harold and Harold and Kumartoon. I think, I think no, the third one kind of wrapped things up anyway. By the time you get to the end of it, the characters are fully realize they've they've hit their final destination so maybe maybe asking for another sequel is stupid it's it's remember when there was actually trilogies instead of keep just oh just keep making them until they don't make any more money you know there's no such thing as a trilogy except back in the day there were like a lot of road movies like road 2 which we're not even talking about these um the bob hope bing crosby movies. oh yeah yeah we're not going to talk about them. I've never seen them, but no. there were a lot of. Well, them. yeah, there's a lot of movies <laughs> we're going to talk about, like the vacation movies, planes, trains, automobiles. But we realize a lot of it's been discussed ad nauseum. Yeah, and you know they're on TV all the time anyway. You don't have they you were. don't have to hunt them down. You don't have to discover them. Yeah, but these things um, we're we're talking about the stuff that you haven't seen or maybe walked past and right. didn't give it a second thought, like um, the next one. Interstate 60. The first time I saw Interstate 60, I did not like it. I expected something completely different. You got Rob Zemeckis and Bob Gale, and I don't know why I expected something completely different, but I just watched it again. It's on Popcorn Flicks right now, and um, I enjoyed it a lot more now than I did 15 what years ago. What did you wish for? I wished for an answer, an answer to my life. You're the waiter for my birthday party. Remember your wish and answer. That's what I do. I grant wishes. You'll find it. Just go west on Interstate 60. Interstate 60. Give people who wanted something a little different a place to go. Whatever your priorities are, bam, they're a real nice place to live. I'm not going out in a hospital. Damn it, I wish this had never happened! There is no Interstate 60. Now, when a highway doesn't officially exist, the rules don't apply. How do you start a conversation with the girl of your dreams? We see what we expect to see, not necessarily what's real. There. Some nice scenery coming up ahead. So far, the trip's been pretty exciting. The journey of life always includes the possibility of death. Grab your coat and get your hat. James Marsden, Gary Oldman, Amy Smart, Chris Cooper, Christopher Lloyd, and Michael J. Fox. Interstate 60. Oh, I love this highway. Yeah, um, the thing I don't like about Interstate 60 is that Bob Gale directed it. He shoots it kind of flat. Everything's flat. But I was thinking, I was imagining this thing. Now imagine if you will. Tim Burton in his heyday. His perfect movie is Ed Wood. And I have not seen 
Big Eyes. And I suspect Big Eyes is going to be a close second to Ed Wood. It's the same team behind it, um, writing and all that. But imagine, if you will, Tim Burton, fresh off of Ed Wood, directs this road movie called Interstate 60. Now, you imagine it, not you, listener, but Michael. Right. What do you think of that, what I just said? If he directed it with all of his production design team and all that stuff. A lot more fascinating. It would take a you different have... tone. Bob Gale is a good writer. He's not Which necessarily a good director. He has right. very interesting ideas, but he shoots everything like it was. And it is shot in Canada. It's funded by a Canadian company, but feels like a TV movie. Everything. Yeah. So like, there's literally it feels a like scene. a Canadian TV comedy movie. There's thing. literally a scene where I watch um, James Mars. Oh, crap. I'm gonna... Yeah. Marsden. Marsden. I almost said James Marsters, but that's Buffy. Uh, James Marsden, yeah. where you see him walking through a field, and I'm like, this could look amazing, but it looks so dull. It's yeah. It, there's something. So there's a th- lot of potential in this movie. Maybe, maybe it's the DP's fault. Who knows? But, but what's really fascinating about this is that it's a magical realism journey thing. This guy goes on a journey trying to figure out who he is and what his lot in life is. Does he go and do the law? school like his dad wants or does he be an artist like his dad doesn't want and that he does want he paints really really well paintings apparently we see a painting in the movie and it's just way good almost looks like he couldn't have done it in the amount of time that they said that. right right <laughs> but he's he also looking for what in his mind is the perfect girl which he doesn't even know why, because his his plot, his real plot, is what's the answer in life? What's the answer to the, my my question? My question is my life. So what's the answer to my life? And this billboard pops up when it has this pretty lady on it, Amy Smart, and that keeps on haunting him. It's haunting his dreams. It's haunting him that way. Uh, well, turns out that when he it's his birthday, and they're at this. Uh, they're at this restaurant, and one of the waiters is Gary Oldman, who does absolutely no same performance in any role. Ever. I know it's ridiculous. He can't repeat himself, except for if it's a you know one two three sequel Batman thing. He doesn't repeat himself. He has no speaking accent that's ever twice the same. To quote a song by Self, <sighs> the band Self yeah. has has that line in it. Um, but he doesn't, he seriously, he plays this trickster sort of guy named O.W. Grant. One Wish Grant. And he, he'll give you a wish. You have one wish? The kid blew out the candles. Marsden blows out the candles. Says, his, uh, everybody's like, what's your wish? And he's like, it won't come true. And O.W. leans in and he goes, actually, that's not true. If you say it, then it will become true. So he says it. And then later is given a magic eight ball that answers all of his questions yes or no so that's the pain too he's like come on give me an answer <laughs> yeah um but they he's eventually told by another magical this has two magical dudes in it christopher lloyd christopher lloyd tells him deliver this package to this address don't be there late and he gives him a timetable and on the way is actually where you see all these little little uh experiences that he has really crazy experiences yeah lots of cameos pop up here and there kurt russell michael j fox 
Uh, of course, Amy Smart's in it. Uh, I feel like there's a couple others along the way. But well, it's very episodic. It feels like it could have been an anthology. It is called Episodes from the Road. Oh, it is? Yeah, oh. it's called Interstate 60, Episodes from the Road. It feels like, Roll. the way it's shot, the fact that it is kind of flat, it feels like it could have been um, for HBO or Showtime. Yeah, back uh, in 2002. But it was sent straight to video. Bummer. Yep. And it just weirds me out that this is a time, actually, in which Gary Oldman's career, a lot of his movies were being tossed straight to right. video. Right, he like was having a rough toes. road. It was Batman Begins basically saved his career. I wouldn't say saved, but totally gave it some adrenaline. Yeah. So, but uh, he he plays this guy who who goes along for the ride, um, and he's an interesting character himself. He's a, an amalgam of Leprechaun and other trickster characters, Wishmaster. like uh, Genie. Yeah, he's got the, the 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 green smoke from his pipe is the whole genie thing. Um, but uh, Monkey Pipe is a reference to the monkey figure in Eastern mythologies, you know. Good luck, monkey. Stuff like this. And so he's he's not a leprechaun like a tiny dude. He just has blazing right. red hair and he wears a green blazer. The James Marsden <laughs> is excellent in this. Just Yeah, he's just so likable and believable and you're like, get it. And the adventures he's not... are so bizarre. Each town, each area that he gets into, it's like, wow, that's a really good story. Remember what you said about, like... The characters doing what they would logically do in Dune. Right. In Dudes. This is James Marsden's character. Yeah, he really thinks things out. He never really goes impulsive, and he doesn't do these things that are just like, oh, well, we just need to do this to get the, the plot moving along. Nothing feels like it's a false moment. He picks up a hitchhiker, except the hitchhiker hires him to drive him. Chris he doesn't, Cooper, that's he right. He doesn't hitch him. Chris Cooper's amazing in this. He's, he's got a really uh, a moral... A not immoral or amoral he has a moral slant on on everything he cannot he cannot abide by lies anyway how that result he's used in a very clever way to resolve uh, a situation in this town that is nothing but litigation lawyers 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 or nobody who lives in the town yeah, lawyers. All the all the people that live in the town have to work, and they're all lawyers, so they all sue everybody. And if you come into their city limits, you're going to be sued for some something frivolous. Anyway, it's fantastical in that sense. Uh, he does. Yeah, I can't give yeah. stuff away. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's it. free. Where, pop- where did you find Popcorn it? Flix. It's an app for like PlayStation, Xbox. You can get it on your computer. Free, completely free. It's just oh. it's kind of a, it's kind of a glitchy app, so sometimes it's a pain in the butt. Awesome. Okay. Next movie. Flicks. Do that. Um, next movie is a beautiful, thoughtful, gentle, kind, a little bit exciting. But again, what I just said. It's Starman. Oh yeah. We we discussed Starman. this a little bit during the 1984 episode, but we yeah, really get we're to not, dig we in. didn't didn't get into it at all. In 1977, Voyager 2 was launched into space to the outermost regions of the universe. 
it carried an invitation in all languages for alien life forms to visit our planet. Someone, somewhere, listened and accepted our invitation. Get ready. Someone is coming. Someone like no one she has ever known before. Can you clone a living organism from the hair of a dead man? We're hypothesizing a technology that's probably 100,000 years ahead of me. He has powers we cannot imagine, and the face and touch of the man she loved. I send greetings. What's the matter with you? How much English do you understand? I understand greetings in 54 planet Earth languages. Do you seriously expect me to tell the president that an alien has landed, assumed the identity of a dead house painter, and is presently out tooling around the countryside in a hopped-up 1977 Mustang? You're not from around here, are you? Think of what it would mean to talk to a being from a civilization like that. Think of what we could learn. You don't understand. There isn't much time, please. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Oh. Can't you just leave him? What the hell ever happened to good manners? We invited him here. So far to come. So much to do. So little time to fall in love. Look up. Company's coming. John Carpenter's Starman. Starman, I bought the DVD and it was the full screen. Oh, oh no! John Carpenter so movie in full screen that I because I had seen it when I was a kid, like a kid-ish, you know, like or late mid-teens yeah. or something, and it just really didn't stick to me because I what am I? I don't have a girlfriend. Yeah. I have. No you know what's funny is I don't think I've all. seen it in twenty years. Whatever. I should really revisit it because uh I wouldn't say it's in my top list of John Carpenter movies, but I bet you now it would be. You probably will yeah. now. If you watch it now, because I I am telling you, honestly, I'm being honest. I'm not just going against the grain. I'm telling you honestly, since I just watched it again, and it's beautiful widescreen, it's probably my favorite John Carpenter movie. In total. Not just elements of here picking... Because I really like the thing, but this one I really totally... love Escape. <laughs> this movie is the antidote to the thing. Yeah, you know they've said that that he did this as a knee jerk reaction to the negative response of the thing, which now no, not negative, seems... no, no, not knee jerk. Him knee jerk. It was he did this. He did a series of nihilistic movies. He did Assault on Precinct Thirteen. He did Halloween. He produced Halloween two and three, and did Christine, which is another car movie, um, but that's going to possibly go on another list. Uh, he did all these movies that have this, he's known for horror. Heavy, heavy darkness to them. And then he does Starman as the antidote. And it's such a beautiful movie. Yeah. Jeff Bridges got nominated for an Oscar, right? He didn't win. Well, I can understand why. He's speaking with a made-up, fakey, funny accent and stuff as an alien. Yeah. As a man who is an alien, takes the identity and form of a widow's husband. Um, she's so grieving. She, like, wants to drink herself dead. And uh, he shows up one day. And then the military comes after him. But Seti comes after him. Seti, the search for extraterrestrial life. Um, Seti is uh, is coming after him. Like, just you know, you answered our invitation, 
and then the stupid military wants to blow them up because, uh, you know, foreign invaders sort of thing. Yeah. And that's the frustrating part of the movie, but I, I love the SETI guy. He roadblocks them any chance he gets because he's like the guy on the inside. Who, who plays him again? Uh, he was in, um, what's it called? He was in uh, that movie. <laughs> with that guy okay, American Graffiti it. he was in American Graffiti oh Charles Martin Smith you got it um, uh, <laughs> that yeah. was really funny it was a movie with a guy <laughs> I did that old parents thing you know, what's that movie called it's starring that actor he's with other actors it was shot by that one director he has a face the face with the nose and the mouth Maybe sometimes he has a beard sometimes he doesn't <laughs> what's his name he's with that lady Anyway, <laughs> Starman. Um, yeah, basically, that's basically what I just said it was. I, I described it, uh, but um, it's the the interaction between um, two actors, Karen Allen and Jeff Bridges as the Starman. Um, it's really interesting and gentle, and she does do exactly what you said again. And dudes and James Marsden's character. Um responds naturally to this situation tries to get away when she can and then when she starts realizing certain things that she's not actually in danger and so on it, like it takes its natural progression right it's now, really, did you ever watch really... the show yes i did actually the show's really uh, good too i was disappointed only last 88 year. was it uh, was 86 it? 86 87 86 and 87 short-lived show i did watch the show and i enjoyed it Robert Hayes takes over for Jeff Bridges, and it takes place, what, 15 years later? Probably. His son is, yeah. C.B. Barnes! Christopher Daniel Barnes. Yeah, I like him. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess Karen Allen is... She dies. Yeah, she dies, and they just go on a journey because they're still being hunted. Yeah. He comes back, and he takes the form of another guy instead of Jeff Bridges. It's just another identity that he takes, and then he's like, I'm your dad, and you you don't look anything like my dad. Whatever. (laughs) So there's convincing like that. But yeah, that was a fun... The whole show was a road show. Yeah. Yeah, and this movie is a road movie. He has to get to some point in Arizona by a certain time so that he can get picked up by his uh, people. And as we just said, he has a kid with her. Or he gets her pregnant. I got you pregnant. <laughs> that's your Tracy Morgan impersonation. <laughs> Tracy Morgan, Tracy Morgan as Starman. I got you pregnant. <laughs> I got it cool. <laughs> All right, but let's... how can I? I'm. I can't have kids. No, it's cool. I got you pregnant. Astronaut Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just keep thinking about that skit. It's one of the most absurd. Like. <laughs> It feels like it's not even written. It's just like they just threw Tracy out there. Just make something up. Just go. But you're you're a spaceman named Astronaut Jones. Now riff. Um, what's okay. The, what's the next movie? <laughs> what we have next? Sorry. <laughs> what we have next? Uh, have you seen this? I have like three versions on the list on 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 YouTube right now. Is it the okay. Daft Punk movie? Yes. Is that even a movie? I tried watching it. Yeah, actually, bored out of it my does mind. have a plot. It does have a plot. It does have a plot. But it's, it's a wonky plot. Two robots. The Daft Punk robots. It's called Electroma. There is no trailer. But uh, there were two robots. The Daft Punk robots. <laughs> One has a thing around the eyes. 
The other one has sort of an egghead. Go on a road trip. And meet other robots like them that are all normal, whatever, losers. Then they go and try to become human. Scientists put human masks and faces sculpted onto their big heads. So they're these giant latex humanoid heads. So why do you recommend the this? Sun. It's a total road movie. For a, for a long part of it, it's a road movie. Yeah, yeah, movie. but do you then, like it? Then it's a walk movie. Yes, I do. Okay. But it's another one um, that I can only like when it's got Daft Punk music in it. Because the original version of it doesn't have Daft Punk music oh, in it. Oh, that sounds horrible. It's like classical stuff. So mm. these fans, what what I've put on the list there, a bunch of fans did fan edits of the, the movie. They didn't cut anything in the movie. They just replace the music with Daft Punk music which makes it such a much more enjoyable All right, which, experience so which that's what I've got Electroma Electroma okay yeah Daft Punk's Electroma it looks pretty cool looks neat driving around it has a little bit of a plot kind of ends it sadly sort of and it and it has uh, you, you might either want to pay attention to or not pay attention to the sand dunes part because <laughs> it uh it's a lady, if you know what I mean. No, you don't. But there is an Easter egg in a sort of way. Uh, but that's there's not much to talk about it. Electroma. I recommend it. Just uh, it's an oddity. Yeah. Next. The last two movies. This one, um, moving, is what I'm going to be doing. Richard Pryor's moving. Richard Pryor is moving. <laughs> With the support of his family. No way I'm moving. That's not fair. You can commute. Baby, it's 2,000 miles. Loving neighbors. I want you out. And professional movers. Ah! What could possibly go wrong? Hey, man, the leg just jumped off. Everything. One family's experience with the M word. Richard Pryor is moving. So moving. Okay, so I've seen moving. I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but there's no. some great scenes in it. Yes. the Probably the most famous scene is actually all put together on YouTube for you to enjoy is Dana Carvey. Full. Uh, actually, I, I, you know what? I'm, it's just basically audio stuff. I've got it right here. I'm going to play it right now. Oh, man. That is, that is a great car, man. It handles great, man. Left, right, it's great. Brake stop on a fucking dime. You got power in this thing, man. The thing will take a hairpin turn at 120. No fucking problem. You floor it, it just says, give me more. The car says, give me more, man. Keys, dude. Cop tried to pull me over. I said, eat this, man. I put it in fifth. Forget about it. The only thing was, I couldn't get it in reverse, but then I was pissed, and then I said, I don't need reverse. What do I need reverse for? I don't want to go back in life, man. I'm going to go forward. So the cop tries to pull me over. I say, fuck it. <laughs> Where is my car? Oh, I was supposed to deliver this car to, uh, to a guy named Arlo. <laughs> is that you? Is your name Arlo, man? That's a funny name, Arlo. <laughs> oh, man, you must laugh all the time, huh? Did you come here through a war zone? Soda Springs, man. Back off, dude. I'm just delivering this car as a favor for a friend of mine, man. Brad Williams. Do you know him? He's really afraid of me. He's about my height. Could I speak to Brad? No, man. You can't talk to Brad. I can't talk to Brad. No one knows who Brad is, man. I love him. He's beautiful. I can't get close to him. 
Man, Nixon knew, man. I don't even know my political affiliation. Huh? Huh? Daddy? 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 What happened to my car? Brad probably loaned the car to the Pope. Don't let, don't let the hat fool you, man. The Pope's a crazy ah! fucker. Probably blessed the car, got wasted, and just drove it off the ah! cliff. Afternoon, ladies. Yeah. And I load it with eight bullets. Yeah. And I kill all crazy 80, you son of a bitches. Yeah. Now, please go. I don't want to go to jail. Yeah. You're squishing Teddy, man. I'm going to kill him, too. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 row your boat gently down the stream. So yeah, that right there, and this is, I think he did this right after the first season of Saturday Night Live. I'm not sure. It might have been the, after the first season or before. I think it was fresh on I think it was wow. Saturday Night Wow, if, if that didn't help him become a superstar, the movie didn't do that well, but that is the scene still. No, but this scene just showed that how funny the dude Yeah, and then uh, Randy Quaid's really funny in it. His, his bonkers lawnmower. All right, all right so, so, so Richard Pryor gets a job. He has to move across country 3,000 miles. And his neighbor is a total trouble neighbor. It's Randy right. Quaid. He's just a horrible, horrible neighbor. He gets his house in this new uh, suburb division. And he moves there. He has to hire movers who are all horrible movers and they break legs off of things. Man, it just jumped off. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and he has this brand new Saab that he loves more than his family. <laughs> <laughs> it seems, and uh, this Saab, he he can't drive it because he's driving the big station wagon with his or minivan, whatever, with his family, and so he hires Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey happens to have multiple personalities, and he doesn't know this until well after they're on their trip. The kids bring up a magazine. Daddy, this guy's famous. He's like, yeah, yeah, kids, whatever. No, he's really famous. So they look at him. He's got eight different personalities. One's a sexy lady. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't get to see one is all the, the characters. All eight. No, you you get to actually hear the them at the end. But one's a, a guy from India. One is the Pope. One is just a bro <laughs> dude. Dead. One's the normal. Yeah, one's one's his normal nice self, which is the guy that met with Richard Pryor. Now this movie, I heard and saw bits and pieces of, like when I was a right. teenager. And I was just like, eh, whatever. I don't really care about Richard Pryor. Well, this movies. is this is when Richard but Pryor then, had fallen apart. It's his last. It's his last. Starring no, he role. was in No Retreat. Not No Retreat. No Surrender. That's ridiculous. Starring. Oh, like just him leading. Okay. okay. Yeah, he's the he's the vehicle All lead. Right. That's that's the last because he, he was in uh, Critical what, Condition, Harlem Nights. And yeah, stuff. Critical Condition bombed, moving bombed, uh, Superman three. He basically murdered. The toy that yeah. was in the eighty four, right? But it was a slow progression where he just started falling apart. Jojo Dancer, because this was Your Life 80, is Calling, is an amazing movie, but it bombed. Yeah, that was before right. this one too. So this is his last starring vehicle where he's the lead. Um, but anyway, he does fine too. He plays it. He mostly plays it subtle instead of uh, plays it wide. And well, at the huge, end when like, he goes bonkers and dresses like the Road Warrior, yeah. Sure, that 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 bits, yeah, but that's what the whole movie's right. leading to. But um, 
when they finally get there, his car's in shambles. His house was about the sh- the car's being in shambles and the house is the house is up. stripped because the guys they buy it from they do this thing where they say they're going to do something but they laugh afterwards like it's a joke. So he assumes that they're always joking like, "Oh, the pool, <laughs> it's not staying. We're taking it with us." They're like, "How can you take a pool? It's got to be a joke." So and everything, and he finds out everything's been taken. Everything. Yeah. And then his next door neighbor there is the twin brother of oh Randy Quaid. And it's even there's worse. also a Rodney Dangerfield. So, yeah, okay. I forgot as his boss. Yeah, well, so I really hope this is not going to be our move. We're not hiring movers. We're driving our own <laughs> truck. We are, we're renting a truck, but we're driving it ourselves. Uh, uh, George, who you guys will meet sometime in the future, uh, is flying in from Texas to help us on the road with the two vehicles that we've got. So, yeah. And we're going to end up in Texas. Which leads us to this next movie, which is more of a travel log and less of a road movie. But some of the movie does take place, or whatever, the travel, the talking parts. David Byrne right. talks in it. It's called True Stories. Have a listen. Hi, my name's David Byrne, and I made a movie about a bunch of people in Virgil, Texas. They're getting ready for the 150th anniversary of their state. They're calling it a celebration of specialness. Something's happening here, all right. The world is changing. It's created confusion. Chaos. Do you run out of Kleenex, paper towels, and toilet paper at the same time? What time is it? No time to look back. I want someone to share my life. Marriage is a natural thing, and I'm a natural man. I love the women. Hey, there's more to life than this job. Hello, I'm Louis Fine, and I'm looking for matrimony with a capital M. Yep, it's fancy driving, all right. Not only driving, but parking. Bunch of maniacs out there. You know how hot dogs come ten to a pack and buns in packs of eight or twelve? You gotta buy nine packs to make them all match up. That's what I'm talking about. But this place is completely normal. True stories. Alright, so David Burns, the star, the director, co-writer. And uh, he's so pleasant. He is so incredibly pleasant to watch. Is this the first time you saw it? Yes, first time. I've had I had a VHS copy for years. I just never got around to watching it, and I sold it a lot. And yeah, I never got around to watching it ever. Well, the the version that you watch is the same thing as the VHS version. There will never be, it seems, uh, Blu-ray Criterion. There needs to be a Criterion version. <laughs> so much. I am upset. That this is the only way that you can see this is even either pan and scan or open mat. It might be open mat. Wasn't there a print but, on demand DVD? Is it is it not in widescreen? No, it's not in widescreen anywhere. Yeah. Nowhere. But my first experience with this was on Bravo Television back in the early nineties. Bravo used to not be this channel that showed reality TV show makeover shows, quarreling, bickering wives shows. Bravo used it to, used, the title itself used to be, um, basically suggest arts. that they would show musicals and plays and artistic stuff. Arts. The arts. It was a, a competing, competing channel to A&E, Arts and Entertainment. Right. And they used to show, uh, like, in between, like, bumpers. They had time to fill. They, they would show, like, a live musical bit by They Might Be Giants or something. 
they used to get really like, hey, we're forward thinking here. And so they would show this movie, and I taped it, and I, I whenever it came on, I watched it. It's total comfort movie for me. It's comfort food movie. And as I said, part of it is shot from a car. David Byrne drives into this town called Virgil, Texas, which is a fake town, but they're on their town is having the uh, the festival of special nests or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes in and he explores the town. So half of that is him driving around in his car, narrating or or giving you a lead into what is about to happen in the next scene. Yeah, and it's, and it's episodic too. Well, there's an overlying storyline, but it has chunks, like where it yeah. has different things going on. He meets meets uh, John Goodman, who's a guy who works at a factory dealing with uh, software parts or hardware parts, actually. Just looking for love. And he is a man that on his free time, he's just looking for love. He's into matrimony. He really wants to find a lady. Then there's Swoozy Kurtz, is it? Who yeah. is a woman who never leaves her bed. Oh, I, um, before you get into that, my favorite line of John Goodman's is he's describing himself in a video and he goes, I have a body built like a panda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is John Goodman right before um, uh, Raising Arizona. Right. So... Uh, yeah, another great movie. Um, the first time I had actually heard of this movie was they used to play that video on MTV, yeah, Wild Wild Life. Wild Life. And you saw John Goodman. I was like, wait, was that, was that John Goodman? And yeah, why is he? Yeah, there's no other just, faces in there that you recognize. You're like, what is going on? And I didn't know it was a clip from a movie. And Yeah, it's this extended uh, alternate footage slash extended scene from that movie that they just turned into the uh, music video for Wild Life. Which is a song that I I love and I still love and I will always love, not just from this movie, but it's just it's just a great song. Now this is not a Talking Heads movie. This is a David no. Byrne movie. This is after Talking Heads split up. Right? Talking Heads did release an album called True Stories, but they ha- I had and I'm a big dummy. I had the LP of the actual soundtrack for the movie, and I think it got scratched or something. And at the time, I didn't think... I was like 14 or 15. I didn't think anything... Like, I couldn't repair it or whatever. But now you probably could. I don't know. And I just ditched it. I, like, broke the disc or something. Like, the vinyl disc. Like, after it was already damaged. And and I kept the, the sleeve for a long time and just hung it up as wall art. And I wish I still had all of it. Darn it. But yeah, it's it's a really nice, pleasant film too. It's it got me back into listening to Talking Heads. In fact, the only thing I've ever listened to is their uh, greatest hits, and so I actually went in and started listening to each individual album last night. Oh, it's cool. funny how much they change yeah. like throughout the years. Well, most yeah, bands change. He's, he's all over like musically. He's strange. He's he's in. Uh, he does a song for um, Until the End of the World, which could be considered a world movie, but it's not. It's a world travel movie. So it's not going to be even part of this, but he does a really David Byrne himself does a song called Saxon Violins, <laughs> and it's a really cool song. Uh, but that's for Until the End of the World, not True Stories. True Stories has wildlife in it. It's pretty great. All right, so that wraps and, up our uh, list right there. That's Texas. That's where I'm going. When are you leaving? You got I'm another happy. week? You got another episode uh, we can fit in? Maybe we'll see. Maybe can do another episode before we leave. Um, it'll, it'll be another driving movie. I yeah, think. we're well. We're gonna but do the thrillers, right? You want to do road thrillers? We'll do road All thrillers. All right. All right.
Uh, yeah, um, we've got things for you to do first. Uh, email. Email us if you have questions, suggestions, your criticisms. Email us. Video night R R E at gmail.com and video night.tumblr.com is where you can just go and stream these things. I'll post links to the the um, YouTube up there as well on the video night and the video night um, Facebook page. Yes, which you just built. We're slowly building an audience. I think we just hit 50 likes, but we haven't really promoted a yeah. whole lot. Woohoo! 50 people! Thank you, everybody. Um, yeah, really so uh, RRE stands for Retro Rocket Entertainment. That's my company. Um, so you can find us on Facebook. It has all the podcasts that we do. Video Night is kind of like a spinoff. We, we, we just yeah. did an episode back in October where we really like had fun talking about movies. So this became a spinoff in December. So you can find uh, all Halloween of our show, old yeah. episodes, uh, like our holiday episodes, the Dump Month episode, Box Office Bombs, Valentine's Day. What's the one we just did? Intergalactic, right? Intergalactic. Yeah, so you can yeah. find all of those on a separate page for Video Night. And that's the Tumblr thing. Or, and, and, and Facebook. Video Night. And that's it. I got you pregnant.